Hello and welcome to the Adafruit CircuitPython Weekly for October 1st, 2018. Uh, I'm Scott and I work on CircuitPython for Adafruit. Uh, CircuitPython is a, an open source project to bring uh, embedded Python to beginners. That means uh, inexpensive computers are easily accessible to beginners so that they can learn how to program uh, in the context of hardware, so blinking and buttons and interaction stuff rather than just uh, text on a screen. Um, this meeting happens every week at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on our Discord channel. Uh, we're all sitting in the voice chat uh, called CircuitPython on our Discord. If you want to join our Discord, feel free to do so any time of the week. Uh, you can go to the URL adafru.it slash discord to join. Uh, we have a text chat that kind of runs the whole week, um, but we do this voice chat on Mondays. The voice chat is recorded. Um, I record both the visuals of the text channel, uh, which is the CircuitPython text channel, not the live broadcast one. And then um, I also record the, both my audio and audio from the folks in the chat. So uh, you can listen to it afterwards if you didn't know that. Uh, we also take notes to go along with it um, that include time codes. So if you want to see what was discussed and not listen to the whole thing, but seek to the particular parts that might be interesting, you can do that as well. Um, the videos go up on the Adafruit uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, and the notes are linked to from there. Uh, there as a gist, a GitHub gist on there as well. Um, the meeting is is four sections. We first start with a state of CircuitPython and its library section. And then we'll do a hug report section, which is a chance to say thank you to folks for different things they've done in the last week. We'll and that is done as a round robin. So I will start and then go uh, down the list of the people in the voice chat, which turns out to be alphabetical. Um, once we do that, we'll do another round robin for status updates, which is basically like what you've been working on and what you uh, plan to work on in the future, or like in the, in the coming week. And then lastly, we have a kind of in the weeds discussion section where we talk about larger uh, technical topics or community topics, all, all that sort of thing. Um, that is kind of like maybe the least interesting or the least information dense, but could be really interesting. So uh, again, check the notes for topics on that if you just want to see what we're talking about. Um, okay, so uh, let's get going on state of circuit Python. I will pick a time code and get going. Uh, first, I'll talk about uh, in general. Uh, so this is both the CircuitPython core repo and the libraries. Uh, I'll delegate to Katni uh, after I cover some of the broader stuff first. So uh, we had 15 pull requests merged overall uh, with eight different authors and six different reviewers, which is actually feels like more reviewers than we normally have, which is awesome. Um, and the eight, the eight author list looks pretty, pretty typical. Um, I wanted to shout out to Adam uh, Hale for a new, uh, we met him at, uh, at Maker Faire and also he made a pull request, which is cool. It hasn't been merged yet, but thanks to, to Adam for that. Um, we have eight open pull requests on CircuitPython, the core CircuitPython stuff, um, which is kind of a lot. And I was looking at it last night and really want to work through those and get that number down. So be aware that we should do that. And then uh, we had 10 issues closed overall by five people, and we had 12 opened by nine people. So 
So we are kind of growing in the number of issues. Uh, 146 of those are on CircuitPython, uh, and there's a link to where to find those. And uh, then I'll let Katni talk about the libraries. Okay. Um, hopefully my audio is good because uh, everybody else sounds garbled. Uh, you sound fine to me. Excellent. Um, so we have 10 open pull requests on different libraries. Um, and 53 open issues on libraries. Um, this is something that as the project has grown, we have definitely um, kind of let uh, slide to the wayside. And I want to uh, apologize about that and say that that's definitely something that we're going to start working on. So if you currently have open issues or open pull requests on these uh, repos, expect to see some, uh, some action on those. Um, uh, in the very, you know, upcoming weeks. Um, and thank you for your patience with all of this. Um, obviously, any project has growing pains, um, and we are growing into ours. So uh, other than that, um, we've got a lot of other repo-specific issues that I'm not going to get into super details about, um, but they are available in the notes. Um, and that's another thing that we're going to start looking at, and any help with that um, is always welcome. So. Uh, I'm still not quite sure how I'm going to start handling that, but um, I think uh, it may be something like doing weekly roundups um, and requests for assistance and that sort of thing. Um, but we'll figure it out. So that's what I have. Totally. Uh, yeah, and I just wanted to point out also, and this, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but um, everybody, uh, there's the Hacktoberfest, which is a thing sponsored by DigitalOcean. You get a t-shirt if you do five pull requests in October. Um, you may have seen some of us uh, working on that. So uh, beware that uh, you can get a cool Hacktoberfest shirt. And all of these uh, issues that Katni's talking about or the, the issues that show up in Databot are great reasons to make small PRs, uh, which are super helpful and good to get going with. So if you need uh, things to do for those, for those five or, or more, um, take a look at the notes for that. Um, Lastly, uh, I'll just talk briefly about uh, the download stats and where we're at. So um, again, I, I was traveling in the last week, so I didn't get a lot of time to, or I didn't get any time to update Adabot to talk about languages specifically. Um, I'm planning on doing that later after the newsletter is done. Um, but on the Alpha 1, we're now at a total of 254 downloads, which is up from 30. So that's really good. Um, because it's marked as a pre-release, pre it's not marked as a stable release. Um, so that's you know 220 total downloads since last week. So that's really good. Uh, and these numbers are pulled last night, so those numbers are, will be a little bit higher at this point. Uh, 3.02 has a 16 or 1,646 total downloads as well. Um, all pretty standard stuff. Uh, in general, um, we've kind of the three uh, core team members, Dan, Katney, and I, were gone. And so the, we're really at a turning point where we're, um, we're focused on Toro. Uh, we're focusing, because Katney's kind of stepped up to, to manage all the library stuff, we're, we're going to be doing a better job at library maintenance as well. Because I just I didn't have the bandwidth to do it, so having to do that is awesome. Um, so expect to see Toro development really take off. We want to do a pretty uh, quick release cadence on, on the 4.0 alpha, so expect to see improvements there. And then um, also on the libraries, on the library side, you should be able to see kind of the pace quicken as, as 
Katni does more work and uh, facilitates the, the direction of other people's work as well. So, uh, all good things. Um, in general, we when we were actually, I'll talk about that later. All good things. We'll stop there and we'll go into hard work. Um, okay, so uh, I'll do the hard reports. I won't spoil my status update yet. Um, so, hard reports briefly is a chance for you. Uh, used to say thank you to people for the work they've been doing in the community. Um, this is good for two reasons. One, it's good because um, saying thank you was always a good thing. Uh, it's really, really easy and expected to complain about things, but uh, making time to thank people for their work is, is more important than complaining on the internet. Um, and then also, because we talk publicly about the things that we value, we build kind of expectations within our community about what things are valued, uh, and so it's good for that as well. So uh, I will start. Um, okay, yeah, and uh, I can send the link again. Katni's just having issues. There's the the notes doc for people who want to follow along or maybe add their hub reports and status updates. Everybody should be able to edit it. Um, okay, so I'll. Um, hug reports. Uh, first and foremost, I just want to say thank you to Summersoft for help, helping out on the Discord uh, kind of in the last week when I was just gone. And just looking back, it's, it's always nice to see somebody there uh, helping people. Uh, not, Summersoft, of course, is not the only person, but uh, I know that Summersoft's participation in particular. Uh, I wanted to say thank you to Entol for the new 101 release. It, it, it's exciting to see that uh, progressing and adding stuff. It's good. And uh, also happy to see it announced on Discord as well. It's great. And then also I uh, wanted to say thank you to Dan and Katni for their advocacy of CircuitPython for the Open Hardware Summit. Um, we went in there kind of like really wanting to get people on board with supporting CircuitPython. And, and building it as a project that's broader than Adafruit alone. Um, and so we did some really good work with that. Uh, Dan and Caddy went to some events, but I couldn't make it because I was hanging out with friends instead. So it's it's nice to be able to kind of like do things independently and also for people to hear uh, about CircuitPython from a different perspective as well. So uh, thank you. That's uh, that, Those are my hub reports. Uh, Brennan, do you want to say yours? Yeah, one to uh, Summersoft for reviewing the CAP 1118 uh, pull request that I put in. And uh, another one again to Katni for taking up the library stuff. I think that's going to be, I'm really excited that someone's actually focusing all that. Cool. All right, Charles. Well, all I got is a group hug because I, I didn't do very much this week because I was uh, way, way on business. So I'm sort of lacking this week. No worries. I know how that is. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Charles. Okay, uh, Dan. Um, so I want to, I was typing and I'm thinking of it back in mode mo here. So <laughs> thanks to, to, to Scott and Cadney for um, uh, 
being together with me at the Open Hardware Summit. We had a great time together, sort of both socially and to do Adafruit uh, advocacy, as Scott mentioned. Um, thanks to Drew Fostini, who um, works some of the time for Adafruit and does a lot of other things, who we saw a lot of at the Open Hardware Summit, he made the badges, and we talked to him a lot about different issues uh, and about BeagleBone and just about a bazillion things. It was great. Um, uh, and then thanks also to Jerry again for um, continuing to test uh, the 4.0 Alpha and finding various issues, which always give me work to do when I come back to the keyboard. So <laughs> it's been coming back all this travel, especially. But thank you, because it's really helpful to know what to work on next and to clean up the rough edges of whatever we have. I think I'll, I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. says, uh, thanks to Maddie T for reaching out to try and get us to cooperate between CircuitPython and MicroPython. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead, Drew. Okay. Um, uh, uh, thanks to uh, Katni and Dan, I got to check out a workshop that they did at a local university in Boston. It's really interesting to see um, people people using CircuitPython um, on the playground and the Gemma, um, seeing like um, the different challenges and successes they had with it. And just kind of for myself, because I haven't used it a lot personally, just it was interesting to see how people people use it. Um, so that was that was fun to see. Uh, all right. Thanks, Drew. Go ahead, Jerry. Uh, yeah, a group hug to, to all and a special shout out to, to Dan for always welcoming my, my bug reports and, uh, <laughs> and fixing them quickly. So thanks for the, the new stuff on the NRF52 and the, the SPI and ITC, all that good stuff. And and uh, also, um, it is, I second the, the comment from before, that it's great to see uh, Katni taking the libraries on and uh, Pushing that ahead. It's nice to have a, a focal point. Yeah, totally. All right. Uh, thanks, Jerry. Katni? Yeah. So uh, I want to first and foremost say thank you to Dan for hosting me for Open Hardware Summit. Um, I stayed with uh, Dan while I was there, and he took me on a tour of Boston. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, Thank you to Scott and Dan for an excellent trip. Open Hardware Summit was great. It was wonderful to see you guys. And I definitely would not have been able to navigate the trains without you. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, I want to give a shout out to Adam and Hale for their first PR to CircuitPython. Um, and they may be writing a new driver for us. So that should be really cool. Uh, thanks to everyone for holding down Discord while we were traveling. I keep saying it, but I'll say it again. It's so amazing to be able to step away and have everything remain smooth. Um, to everyone we met at Open Hardware Summit, it was amazing to meet you. Uh, Clarissa, Noah, Steven, Stephanie, Jason, Drew, Andrew, Andy, Monica, Alex, Becky, Christy, Matt, Joe, Amitab, Jimmy, Addie, Alicia, and everyone else I've missed. Um, thank you for taking the time to chat. I, I had a ton of lovely discussions and I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. Um, 
thank you to Drew uh, for his involvement with OHS, uh, lovely conversation, and for picking up a couple of lifts and meals. Um, and thank you for the invite to PS1. I will be taking you up on that uh, in a couple of months for sure. Um, thanks to Entol for the, for the MU update. Um, it's excellent to see uh, more development happening on that. Um, and thanks to Carter and Jerry for jumping in on the lib dis issue discussion when we posted it. More discussion is always helpful um, and it's always good to see more involvement. So thank you for that. All right, thanks, Kathy. Uh, okay, Mike. No. Great. Mike says, uh, great to see everyone at Maker Fair. I can put names to faces. Uh, Summersoft, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Or, sorry, yeah, Sedacious. I think the last one is Cupid for. So, um, Mike also says that thanks for all the help with CircuitPython on the last few weeks. Um, Sedacious says, uh, group hug and one for Katni for getting the max 31856 repo set up. I'll totally make a PR when I can give it, convince it to report my pseudonym correctly. Also to Carter for resolving my .star live PR that will allow me to use fancy LED with them now. I'll put in the same for NeoPixels when I get a spare minute unless someone beats me to it. Um, Summersoft says, just a gigantosaurus group hug this week. Uh, friend slightly unexpected. I know what you what you mean. Um, I was up at like midnight last night trying to get my notes together and just realized that I'm still slightly dead eyed, so not quite on point uh, like I would need to be. Um, okay, so let's call that hug reports. Um, SDW is working, so I can train my totally. Uh, okay, let's do status updates. Uh, so time for um, status updates is a very software engineering sort of thing where uh, people stand up in a circle and talk about what they've been working on and what they plan on working on. Uh, we won't have to stand up here unless you really want to. Uh, we won't be able to tell whether or not you are, uh, but we'll do a similar thing. So uh, we'll do another round robin and we'll talk. Of, like everybody should take a couple minutes one or two minutes to talk about what they've been working on and what they plan on working on in the coming week. Um, I will start back on the time code. So I got back into town on Friday, was at Maker Fair and Open Hardware Summit, so a lot of just chatting with people about CircuitPython, really trying to get CircuitPython to be a project bigger than Adafruit. Uh, I had a discussion with um, we had discussions with Lamar and Phil about this, and they're on board with it. Um, we actually had a discussion this morning that was very exciting about, um, I think with 4.0, we have this problem where um, 
now that we have translations, we really it's really hard to pick the right download for what you want. So we want to do um, a web design so that you can just like pick the board you have and then try to then pick the language you want and get the right bundle and all of that. Um, so if anybody is uh, a web designer, please, please, please reach out and, and help us design this downloads page. Uh, once we have that downloads page, I want to just actually take it on ourselves to support non-Adafruit Sandy 21 boards. Um, Sparkfun has a few, and um, Tiny Circuits has a few as well. And I want to start making it clear, I, I want to make it more clear that CircuitPython is bigger than just Adafruit. They're obviously a huge supporter of us, and we'll always we'll always make sure that our boards are are best served as well. Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't support other boards as well as well. If that makes sense. So uh, that that was something kind of that we've been working on, and something we'll touch on in the future. Uh, when I was in New York, I got the Trellis Express, which I'm not sure. I think was a top secret on Ask an Engineer. It's basically uh, an all-in-one board that has two Trellis elastomer keypads and then an M4 on the back and you can use it for all sorts of different things. Uh, I'm actually using it as a, a shortcut keys thing so like control C, control D and all that. Um, so I got that prototype working. Um, I started audio in work which is like based on the timer and record stuff. Um, I'm actually going to put that on pause um, and I also put the display IO extra stuff on pause as, as well. I'm, I, I was talking earlier and it's very kind of like I'm, my stack of like things I'm working on is just growing, which is kind of disconcerting, but um, talking with Lamore, she really wants to be able to do multiple audio, play, multiple audio playback at once. So I'll be kind of jumping on doing an audio mixer sort of thing, which will be cool. Um, and then, uh, Adabot improvements for languages. So uh, Adabot needs some touches, touch-ups, and I'm going to do that today, um, just to reorganize the way it generates stuff a little bit. And then uh, lastly, uh, Hacktoberfest starts today. I talked about this a little bit already, but um, if people can go in, if you have uh, access to labels on GitHub, if you find things that are good for Hacktoberfest, there's a label in there already from last year. Please mark things, especially in the libraries, we didn't do that. So um, let's make sure that we get listed on the Hacktoberfest stuff and that we're on their radar uh, so that we can all get more t-shirts. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. I know I've gone on a lot, but uh, that's it for me. Um, Brennan, do you want to type in uh, because or try your mic again? It was weird, but other people could hear you. Heard him fine. Yeah, I can. I can't hear you. You look. You look oh, I totally muted you. Huh. Okay, try now. Check. There we go. Sorry. For some reason, I had you muted. No, you right. can hear me. We can't. So, um, uh, last week, just getting back into um, testing CircuitPython library stuff on the Raspberry Pi. Um, right now, working on uh, one of the GPS modules and updating some of the 
guides for using that on the Pi, and then there's a whole long list of stuff we're going to work on next. I think Katni will probably talk more about that. Cool. Thanks, Brennan. I'm sorry I had you muted earlier. I think your mic was making noise last week, and I had you muted that one. Uh, thanks to everybody for letting me know that you all can hear me. Uh, OK. Um, Carter. Yeah, I did a uh, quick test and merge the dot uh, star fix that Sedacious mentioned. It was a very simple fix, but a very like subtle error. So it's kind of cool that he came across that and was able to fix it. It's one of those ones you wouldn't see by just scanning the code. It doesn't jump out at you. And then I did an initial uh, PR for the CAP 1188. I think that's the model number of it, uh, capacitive touch sensor. So that's kind of sitting there, but I've screwed up the the connection to Travis and stuff like that. So we need to fix that so it's getting checked. And then we can have a code review of that. And hopefully, we'll get that merged in. Cool. Awesome. Thank you for all your work on the library as well. Hey, Charles. Well, I'm still working on the uh, uh, the, uh, the fingering pad for my, uh, my uh, music project. But I'm having trouble with the MCP uh, 23017. I'm gonna I'm gonna put in a uh, an issue and see if somebody can tell me if I'm doing something wrong. Okay. So that's where I am. Okay, that sounds good. Issues are a good way to figure that stuff out. Thank you. Thanks, Charles. All right, Dan. Um, so. I wrote some stuff down, but I'll read it out loud. So obviously we went to the Open Hardware Summit. That took a lot of, uh, it was fun and it was a lot of time and energy. It took several days of things. One interesting thing is that several events were at this gigantic maker space that's in a, um, a town next to Boston called Somerville. There's 43,000 square feet of uh, everything from an electronics lab to uh, like a five by 10 foot CNC machine plus a paint shop and a machine shop and just a huge amount of space. So we had fun touring that and hanging out there. And then um, there are, um, I worked on the train. I worked on fixing a bug about uh, resetting the NRF peripherals uh, in 4.0. And that was just uh, pulled in this morning. There were some other SPI issues, which I'm debugging about SPI speed complaints. And I'm just continuing to uh, trundle along in NRF implementation. So that's, and there are various support issues, which always come up. So that's it. Cool. Thanks for the, your hard work on NRF stuff. It's going to be you. very cool when it gets done. Yeah. All right. We'll ship it. Says, uh, Made a release of the firmware for Microgame with CircuitPython 302. Without including all the stuff I wanted to have, it's been too long already. Uh, also, five CircuitPython batch prototypes were given to volunteers at the last PyCon UK, and now we are discussing ways to improve them. Yeah, and you got tweeted out by Hackaday, so um, that hit the Twitter feeds with some things, and I think it's probably due to the huge weather that was happening today. So. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, just got back from traveling for like almost the last two weeks. So going to be looking at uh, getting SPI and ITC working in Blinka for the BeagleBone. Uh, so yes. I'll be working on that this week. So hopefully have some news next 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 Monday. Awesome. Look forward to it. All right, Jerry. Uh, yeah, m uh, much of the week was spent at a family wedding, which was a lot of fun, but not not a really uh, productive in Circuit Python world. <laughs> and um, did uh, manage to play with that? Uh, I managed to get a couple of PIR keys from uh, DigiKey, so I've been playing with them a little bit and and having fun and um, and um, just testing out some of the things with the uh, the trying to hook up some devices to the NRF. Uh, 52840 uh, dongle board. So got got the SPI SD card working on it, and an I to C interface to uh, an LAS uh, DH LAS three DH uh, accelerometer. So just checking out to make sure those interfaces worked okay, and they, and they do, with some minor little issues that that Dan's fixing. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully now the travel over and things like that, get back into more things this week and start looking looking at some of the PRs that are out there and some of the issues and see if I can help with those. Well, it's, it sounds like that's the theme of the week of people getting back from travel and getting back into things. Cool. I'm excited to see uh, how it goes. All right. Uh, Kat. All right. So last week was Open Hardware Summit. Uh, met a lot of amazing people, learned a lot of new things, got to see an amazing makerspace in Boston, which Dan talked about. Um, had a ton of fun with that. Uh, this week is digging in and getting back into the swing of things. Um, getting back into PyPI, we are about half done with the uh, updates, um, guide updates, uh, getting everything tested. Um, most of the libraries are already in PyPI. Um, however, only about half of them have been tested. So that's the next, we, we do that part first and then we go and we test them all. So apparently the part we've done has been the easy part. So now we have the hard part. Um, the next, uh, the, the, the priority that I've got is um, I'm gonna be working on a couple of new libraries, working on um, a couple of uh, simple I squared C libs, and then we're gonna be uh, moving on from there. Um, most of the priority is is being uh, set. However, if you hear about um, or have any libs that you would like to see be tested, um, either I mean they're in PyPI, so feel free to test them on your own and let me know. But um, let me know if if there's something that you know you you want or need, and we can see if we can work it into uh, the priority. Um, and uh, what I talked about earlier is it's library time, so. Mm -hmm. We're going to be starting to work through the open PRs and issues on the library repos, as well as the repo-specific issues noted, um, the stuff that's the stuff that's noted in Adabot, all the issues with the actual repos. Um, I, like I said, I'm still not sure how I plan to handle this, um, given that I just took it over, but I, I kind of want to try and put together maybe a weekly roundup um, with requests for help on different things. Um, something like that. Um, we'll see how it evolves. Um, suggestions are welcome. And obviously, whatever it is, is it's going to evolve um, as we get into it, because this is uh, this is a new thing. Mm -hmm. So um, if you have open PRs and issues on libraries, expect to see some action on those. Um, and again, like I said earlier, thank you so much for your patience with everything. I know we've kind of let a lot of the library stuff slip. And um, 
that's something that we are going to be working on. So hopefully um, that won't be happening in the future. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you for all of everyone who's been doing help with the libraries. Um, we really appreciate it. And uh, we definitely will be trying to stay more on top of that now. So that's what I have. Yeah, looking forward to that. Very good. Uh, I'm excited to see it go forward. I'm just like brainstorming Adabot changes while you're talking. Yeah, yeah. And I'm super excited about that too. Um, I. I mean, you, you saw my massive spreadsheet. So if, if Adabot is spitting out things that I don't have to make a spreadsheet for, it makes my life much easier. Right. Yeah, I really like, I like all the like linting and quotes, in care quotes uh, that Adabot does about how repos are set up and whether they need IPI. We should continue to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I know, uh, like if, if anyone wants to help with this stuff, I mean, that's why I want to try and set up some kind of thing where it's not just um, in these weekly notes, that it's a library specific thing where, you know, people can go and, um, you know, figure out stuff that they can help with um, or, or something like that. So, like I said, I don't really know what that's going to look like, uh, but that is my plan. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah. Trevor says, should we have a dedicated library status section for the meeting? That was actually one thing I was, <laughs> I was just thinking about. Of like, maybe I should just explain it as five sections. But I'll play around with that for the notes because the notes are the framework for for this. Uh, yeah, we we rearranged the notes, or I rearranged the notes earlier today so that there is sort of a separate library section. Yeah. Um, but we didn't. I guess, well, it's delineated by the fact that Scott talks about CircuitPython and I talk about the library stuff. So we are sort of planning on doing that. Um, it's just a question of how much detail I'm going to get into um, yeah. and so on. So uh, that's the part that's, I think, going to start evolving. Yeah, and I think we could split the, metri the metrics for issues and PRs and stuff across that library pages as well. OK. Just so that we can highlight like the number of library contributors for yeah, I think that would be great. So I'll play. I'll play around with that later. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Yep. Um, and of course, we can always change. Uh, Mike's uh, microphone is not working, so I'll just read off. He says, um, "I mainly be working on the newsletter. If you'd like to receive the weekly newsletter for Python on microcontrollers, uh, visit adafruitdaily.com and sign up. It's spam free. Your info is never sold, and uh, you can read it anytime." Again, this is a newsletter that's all about um, CircuitPython, MicroPython, CPython stuff. And it's also developed on GitHub. So if you have stuff you want to show, if you're making a custom board or uh, just announce something, uh, feel free to do a PR on that repo. We're happy to have other people do that as well. Um, Sedacious. Uh, Just says, got my one by one SAMD21 board up and running and half assembled, mainly fiddling with itty bitty dot stars mounted and wired on my micro breakouts. I missed the deadline for the contest, but I'm trying to get it finished just to say I did. I might do a revision without the dot stars as a fun general purpose portable board and will probably inevitably, inevitably make an M4 version. Uh, I'll send out my CP 32M4 board once I get it. I work with Oscar 
uh, Zoom question mark on my micro USB footprint issue, and I can make a new footprint for the newer, better connector. Uh, my other battery power board will also see another revision to try to lower the bond cost and adjust some dimensions. I spent uh, airport time working on my board design tutorial and realized it probably wants to be a three-parter. So I got about halfway through the first draft of the first part, though many parts will probably be best described in video form. So I'll have to, to think about doing that as a companion. In non-programming news, I helped move my mom's from Arizona to Nevada and saw many Tesla chargers on the way. Um, cool, do you have a question? Uh, and P.S. If anyone has suggestions for accessories to get with a first oscilloscope, please let me know. With any luck, I'll finally be getting a DS1054Z after squirreling away ducats and shekels for it a while. And Nava. And novel and no Tesla. Um, I would actually like I use my Salier a lot more. If you don't have a Salier, I, I would actually buy that before an oscilloscope. Um, that's my preference. Um, okay, yeah. Sedation says the logic needs. So yeah, oscilloscope next. Um, totally. And I use it like I even use the analog side of of a logic to just like know if. Um, to know if like audio is being output on an analog pin. I don't need the higher the higher refresh rate that an oscilloscope gets, but it still tells me whether it's working. Which is great. Um, the best um, okay. Uh, last but not least, uh, Somosan says for the frequency in, uh, it was dormant this week. For the Ephraim library, ITC, ITC is ready for initial PR, sending one six. Uh, we'll start spy after that is pushed. Cool, sounds great. Um, okay, that is the status updates. I don't think I missed anybody. Um, so thank you, everybody. It's exciting to hear all the different things that are going on in Circuit Python land. Uh, that's what status updates are all about. Um, so now we'll do what we call lovingly call our in the weeds section where we uh, discuss a variety of topics that kind of have come up earlier in the meeting or earlier in the week um, and the way that we do this is uh, those of you watching may have noticed that a few people uh, already put into the text chat uh, topics for in the weeds um, so thank you thank you thank you for doing that and again if other people have uh, topics for in the weeds please Post them in there. Uh, we have kind of a running list of week's topics in the doc. Thanks to Katniss, I believe, is the anonymous alligator for me. Um, so I'll just run down the, that list and take time to speak to those topics. Um, so first uh, on the list is um, a what to do with dot, dot frozen lives per issue ninety three. Uh, Dan, do you want to talk? Yeah, so the point of this and is that uh, Katni and I especially, and I'm sure other people have seen um, issue support cases that come up where someone is using a board with frozen libraries, either the Cricut or more likely the CPX, and they run out of memory because they have accidentally, or not accidentally, but sort of almost by default, 
they are overriding the frozen libraries with the libraries that are in lib. So if they download and, and put a complete lib folder on their machine, because sys.path, which is the, which says which directories to look in first when you import things, because sys.path includes lib before dot frozen, that means that for instance, they will get like the CPX library, help the CPX helper library will end up being read from the lib directory instead of the frozen one being version being used. And when that happens, use up a lot of RAM. And the same thing is true for any of the other libraries that are frozen in. I mean, the CPX library, when it's imported, changes the uh, already changes sys.path, so it uses the frozen ones in preference. So it will use frozen NeoPixel and frozen LIS3DH, but the initial one might still not work that way. And this would be true on the CPX, on the Cricut build, which have a lot of frozen libraries, and also on the Perky, which isn't available right now, but which, which would have uh, IR remote built in, for instance. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have, uh, the Perky doesn't have a spy flash chip, so it's sort of less likely that that would happen. So the question is, how do we get around this? I, I had originally uh, proposed maybe having, um, well, the basic idea is to put dot frozen before lib in sys.path so that it looks in the fro frozen first. Right. And then there are variants on that, like, well, where do you, do you keep an extra copy of the library around in lib or do you put it in lib in some other folder, which I think isn't necessary. That's what I propose, but I now think it isn't necessary. So I, I guess I would just like to hear from the community or we would like to hear like, what do they think of this? And do they have some alternate suggestions? And that's 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 what we'd like to talk about. Should we make this change for three or for four? That's that's a, that's an open question. Okay. Is there, is there any easy way to look to get a list of what is frozen into your particular version of Circuit Python so that you can not, you know, maybe. Uh, Put put them as put the lib versions aside. There is no way easy way right now. Uh, you can't do os .lister of frozen. It doesn't work. You, you can do a, a help modules. Ah, that's a good point. Good point. Ah, there we go. That answers the question. Much better. Take the help, do a help mo modules before you start adding uh, uh, to see what's internally, uh, what's internal and what's not. Co in other words, basically what's coming from frozen libraries and what's coming from. Uh... Okay. Yeah. Okay. That that'll that'll solve that will do just fine for what I had in mind. I'm going to try something and then report back. So I guess if you, you know, I don't know, Carter, if you have any, well, you, I think you already said something there. There's an issue on this. It's issue uh, 93 in the bird. Yeah. I mean, my yeah, I linked to it in the chat. Okay, good. All right. I mean, my feeling is that like, 
I, I replied to this issue last night as well. It's like, the real issue is that Frozen is a mechanic that we're using to save memory, whereas like we could actually come up with ways to actually save the memory in general, and then we don't need to use this Frozen mechanic for it at all. I think that's idyllic, and it's a lot more work than just changing the, the path order. I think if we do choose to do the path order changes, then we'll want to do a major version bump, because we will potentially break people, because um, we're changing behavior, like core behavior. Yeah. Um, so I, I agree that the your ideas are are a lot more work, um, as you were saying. And major version bump makes sense. Um, keeping so switching just at frozen and slash lib uh, still allows for putting you know an updated library in in root and being able to utilize it. So we aren't really we're not we're not backing ourselves into any corners with this. Um, Do we run the same risk of people getting confused? With? I mean, the thing is, we I guess we could. Yes, I, I, I did make that point. We're still going to have to address that possibility, but I feel like that's a far less um, common issue than people just having the whole lib folder. Yeah. Um, and and I, my, my initial thought, actually, in my, in my discussion with Dan, my first thought was actually to put Frozen before Root as well. But I think at that point, we are kind of backing ourselves into a corner where we can't test updated frozen libs without doing an entire build. So I I think it's I think the best solution is to switch lib and frozen, um, leave root alone, deal with the possibility of, of that uncommon support issue coming up and still having that opportunity for ourselves or anyone else who wants to test a library to have that easy way to do it without having to do an entire build um, themselves with a new frozen library. Couldn't you do the the trick I posted in the comment for testing the updated library? Yeah, the big problem with that is it means that you have to have a different, you have to change your code, you know, which which certainly is doable, but you know, you you have to. Yeah. And for and for testing, I think that'd be fine. Yeah. Because that would be stuff we're we are doing. I wouldn't imagine this testing would be anything we'd want to put on to the end user. And I think that's. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I think that's actually good uh, for 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 testing in general. And when you do want to test, you know, with with a, with an unchanged code, you can always drop it in root temporarily too. So I think you have the best of both worlds there. So I think that's, that works that's great. That's kind of what I think. I mean, As well. my issue is that I just don't like I don't like using frozen modules for this. I don't like having different TTX builds for different uses. I don't. But what other solution do we really have right now without a fix lot of memory? <laughs> like, fix the actual problem. If the actual problem is that we can't import as much as we want, we're importing a bunch of crap we don't actually need. That's my problem so I, with it. Is like I, I, I can't like I can't personally speak to how much work that is because I don't I don't know I don't have a clue what would go into. Right. I mean, I think that that is the long term right solution, but I think right now we have. People are having this issue now, and it, it would be, I think it would be, like when you were saying a major version bump, do you mean we would make this change in 4.0, but not in 3.1? Or you're saying it's 3.1, if we had a 3.1, would that be okay? 
it depends. Uh, yeah, I, it just depends on how you you understand them. One, one thing that I noticed is that, and I've been sort of looking for this for quite a while, is that I don't think anywhere in the documentation, it, there's lots of places where it says, you know, grab the lib, lib directory and drop it on your express board because you got the room for it. But nowhere that I think, unless it's been updated recently, does it say, does it warn you about these problems? And so part of it just might be education and people might get used to it to say, you know, if you're, if you're using one of these boards that has the frozen modules, then when you put the lib in there, you you should go take these things out. And, you know, part of it may says that's a good thing for people to learn so they understand a little bit about how this thing works. Which And that, I found myself doing that routinely. Now, whenever I get a CPX, I, I drop the whole lib in there or, or I copy the lib over to a, another directory, remove all the things that I know are going to be in my way, and then I, you know, I, I copy them over, which is a little bit of a pain, but but not bad. But so, so, the thing is, it's not documented anywhere that I'm aware of. Suppose there was a separate bundle that was just for CPX. That would be another a, a good thing, I think. You you you, yeah. you need a, you might need a bunch of bundles: one for CPX, one for CPX Cricket, one for Feather Cricket. Well, you don't need one for Feather Cricket necessarily, but you know it, it depends on total. on all the choices. One for per key, which would be fine. Uh, so that's another that's an that's an alternative where we don't and we don't flip that that would be an upward compatible change and Except that, for the fact that now you have to explain to people which bundle and we already had that problem because we have three of them right yeah i mean either you always have to explain something right and the <laughs> ideal solution is that you have but we don't have a lot of memory so yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for flipping it because if you're gonna if you're gonna make a frozen version, then there's a reason why that was done, and so I don't. You know, at first I was sort of put off by it, but I, I think it actually it, does, it sort of makes sense that the frozen if it's, if the frozen's there, it probably should be the default. Again, people do have a way of overriding it. They might have to ask some questions. They might have to learn something. So, is there maybe a way to? just notify users of what's going on, like at the level of the REPL or something? Just display a warning to the effect of, hey, this is being overridden? Um, I thought about that, but it's not easy. It's You don't really want to print out a warning every time you run a program that imports something. Right. So, uh, and a lot of times they're not even using the REPL. So, yeah, I, I I don't know that of a simple way of, of indicating that that isn't kind of annoying in the long run. So. Too bad you couldn't make a list of what's in, what's, what's frozen into the thing and compare it to the list to the lib list and you know say hey these are you know and give you know i'm talking about in the help in the help uh, function mm -hmm. then you could just pop it you just pop a help and it'll tell you which ones which ones of the which lib entries also have frozen modules suppose Suppose the the 
out of memory methods just said consider using a frozen module or something because that's when you're worried about it that's when you get the error but the, like people don't have a way to do that yeah What do you mean they don't have a way to do it? Like, they have... if, if they try to import a module and it runs out of memory, and then you say try to use it as frozen, they've got to build a new circuit Python. Oh, no, no. Well, I just mean, just, tell... just say, like, is this, you know, import, you know, make sure you import the frozen version of this module thing. No, not building, yeah, not building circuit Python, like trying to come up with an error that explains to remove the library. I don't think I like it, but I'm, I'm just, yeah, what, I mean, it's just like, means. right. But isn't that isn't that a different that's essentially what Brennan was just suggesting? Yeah, that's but that, that's just on an error. So I think right, right. If if you just get, you could print that out on air on an error when you run into the problem. I think anytime there's an error, you just delete the library. That's it. <laughs> right. It's just basically you're saying, okay, here we have have a we do have a frozen module, so get uh, get it rid of it uh, out of the lib library unless you really want to use it from the lib. Right. So that's why I was suggesting. So you can do that statically by providing a separate bundle for that particular build. But, but part of me thinks that right. you could just put a note in the in the guide where it said where where we talk about putting libraries in to talk about this as well. I mean, that's a good point. Yeah, that was my thought as well. That you can run into an error after importing a non-frozen module because it takes more memory. It's yeah. not like the difference between MPy and Py where the actual RAM footprint is the same. Right. Like I, so, think, I think it would be cool because those raw codes like add needed off the file system. There's no reason that there's no reason that we could we need to dynamically load the raw code from Flash rather than from file system. Well, it doesn't even get loaded, right? I mean, I think that like the ideal thing is when you can load an empty you can put you can make the Flash be a cache of MPYs. Or maybe even not not a dynamic cache, maybe just maybe ones that you know you designate. And then when you import the thing, you go to see whether the MPY that you would have imported is the same as what's already in the cache. And if so, you don't you don't have to you don't have to overwrite flash. You're not wearing out flash. You just say, Oh, it's already here and I'll just run it from there. It's already compiled. It's sort of like Right, but if you're doing that dynamic cache of flash, you don't really need it load it from the file system every time you need it so. no you can't load it from the file you have to load it into flash from the file system why because then otherwise you're using ram the whole point is that mpys take ram so you can't run from the file system but you the, can run flash or ram why not like why can't you load bytecode as needed from or from the file system. Where are you going to put it? Like 
if you're running a function that's in rock, like a rock host structure on the file system, just load it into RAM while you run it, and then delete it. Let it get garbage. Uh, get let garbage collection throw it away when it's done. When you're done with it. Well, I don't really know what is in an MPY. I, I think there are parts of an MPY that get put into dictionaries and RAM, and then there are parts that are just bytecode strings. Right, and I'm thinking like the bytecode strings could be left off uh, or out of RAM until they're needed, and then only in RAM. Like but that's yeah. That, well, you know, remember the remember the old trick we used to use in a lot of other places was you'd load, you, you know, that's how the event, uh, the uh, the what do you call it? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm having. Uh, you mean paging? Is that what you're saying? The uh, <laughs> no. Uh, okay. not, exactly, not exactly. What I'm trying to say is the event, the uh, the uh, eval loop, you know, uh, the uh, what? I'm sorry, the REPL, read, eva read uh, evaluate print loop. That's what it's doing. You do the same thing that the REPL does. Yeah, I just don't know how much how much you, you don't gonna... have to create the you, yeah. the whole point is you 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 basically get rid of the you're doing the same thing as the uh, REPL does except that you don't you don't have to uh, load tons of extra stuff I've done I've done it a couple of times I've, I've executed I've executed and figured out a way to execute a line of code and then retain the byte code. And once it's done once, the memory goes back to the garbage collector and says, okay. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's definitely more work, but I, I like it because it means that we don't have to have different versions of all the code. We don't have to worry about that. Like we can say, we can use up-to-date code All right, but I, I think that's a nice. As I said, it's like that's a, that's a great aspiration. The question is, before that happens, is it worth fixing this? Is it worth making this? Is it worth fixing this problem? I think that the, I think it's one of those things where we spend a lot of little bits of time, and it adds up to the amount that. If we just fix the memory thing, like if we just made memory in general better, we're just spending that time to fix that. I'm super biased about this. I understand that, and we should probably move on to another thing. But yeah, I don't, like I don't like this use of frozen stuff. I think it's it's not a good long-term thing. Right. I don't think it's a long-term thing either. I think it's. With the M4, it's not necessary. Okay. So we're changing, we're changing this path, fix it in the near term. It would fix this particular problem, this the particular support issue. There are two ways of fixing the support issue. One is 
um, to have uh, board specific bundles and the other is to flip what's in is to put frozen before lid. Those are sort of the two the two. I think you'd get a lot fewer support questions if you put frozen before lid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think that's be totally one. hidden. It may make it may make the, the true support questions that come out of it more difficult to, to, to deal with. <laughs> uh -huh. And do you think uh -huh. that it should be done in 3.1 or wait for four? I think it, I think the uh, uh, that temporary fix at least if 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 you'll know if that's the problem immediately, you know if if you're getting the wrong code because it won't behave correctly. It won't behave the way way the fix is explained. Then you know okay you're going to have to put something into the code to reverse it temporarily to be able to test. It's only one line of code in your program. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about it. Yeah. I'm not really worried about the testing part. Yeah. Very we are modifying these libraries. But that same solution is also a very easy thing to explain to someone who is running into an issue. Which same solution? By just changing the syntax of the import to not use the frozen. I see what you're saying. Okay, well, I. Okay, I'm not sure if we're going. So, yeah, I'm not sure we have reached the conclusion, but we'll talk about it offline. If you want to, switch, if you want to switch the path, that's okay. But like, stop accepting that, that like frozen is a good solution for it. Like, we need to come up. Or we yeah, it's like an engineering. Engineer or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it's a tactical engineering solution. Right. Yeah, and yeah. like. Although I say maybe we want to call it 4.0, like we can always like make what we call 4.0 now 5.0. Like it's just version numbers. So like if we yeah. want, if we're worried about breaking things because we are changing core behavior, we just release 3.0.3 as 4.0, and then everything else becomes 5.0. Like that's totally fine. We can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Good. I'm not. I I didn't mean to imply that we had to like wait to do it for 4.0 to actually. Okay. It's just, it's just a matter of like what we call the number. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the, whoever, Dan, I think you'll end up doing it. So whatever you want to call it, just call it that. Okay. We'll work that. Well, I'll, I'll sleep on this for a few days and and maybe consult with you all some more. Okay. All right. All right, let's move on. Um, thank you, everybody. That's what in the week which right. Some people find fascinating, and those people that listen in, and the people that don't, uh, check the notes. There's time codes. Um, okay, so Jerry had a question about um, can you, or Jerry, do you want to say it? Uh, yeah, just a, a quick, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but somebody can point me quickly. Um, and Summersoft already gave me the first start. But okay. there's been an annoying um, bug on the 52832, the NRF 52832, for quite a while now that. Um, if you're executing uh, um, um, uh, code, control C doesn't work. And and I, I'd be happy to go and try and fix it, but I'm really having a hard time figuring out where. <laughs> so, uh, it's been for a long time. It's It's been since, oh, I, I can't remember when it broke, but it's it, it predates Alpha 1 a long, a long ways. It was back in 3 somewhere. But it's not so, broken in, in on the 840. It's not broken on 840, no. It works fine. And, and it's, it's, it's at the REPL, you type Control-C, 
it 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 you know it prompts. Okay. It's just if you're executing a program, there it doesn't respond, you know, in in the uh, thing. So I'm just curious. Somebody has a quick idea as to where to where to track that down. So you're doing the control C over the UART uh no through well through the yeah through the usb right there's the usb yes yes through the through the you're right through the uh so, what is it? yeah so there's a low level handling is different because it's right. not so right. is, is that handled up in python itself up in py somewhere no, no. it's in the c code yeah uh that does the like you are repl stuff and that's how this control c works is that it looks for the the control c character okay like so it's in the you okay so uh yeah. it's it, it be in the UART rather it's just why it's not okay the other one's USB so it's maybe that's why it works one and not in the other correct that that would okay. be my guess is that it what it'll do is it sets like a global exception state uh, for like the keyboard exception and then if you have problems where like you can't control sleep specifically then your like sleep loop loop code is not watching that exception to see if something happened okay like if it's that, that, so. All right, I don't want to take more time. Uh, might, uh, I think that gives me a better look, pointer. Yeah, you might look in the ESP8266, which also has uses UART. Right. I'm not okay. sure if it's all that the same, but it might be a good starting place. To look also. Okay. All right. Thanks. Yeah, I don't know the the NRF stuff specifically. It's the no, no, that that's a, that's a help already. Um, I just been floundering around trying to gripping for control C didn't help a whole lot. <laughs> yeah, my gut is that it's the code that's like basically ingesting, like managing that UART connection that the REPL's going over. And okay. And it's just not doing the right exception. I had forgotten that, 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 that the that's the that's the unique difference of the 832 that it's on the, on the uh, UART. Okay. Yep. Okay, and then the last thing uh, that we have in the, in the weeds Carter, uh, adding features versus smaller code trade-offs. Yeah, that's this is a pretty low priority one if you want to call it good given how long we've been going for the meeting. I mean, I'm fine with meetings running late, but uh, if other folks are not. Then... Okay. It's it's just a very general thing that kind of came to mind as I was writing the uh, the library for that cap 1188 mm -hmm. and also for some other ones where I was thinking of like going back and adding some new features specifically for like the HT16K33 thing which has a cool key scanning capability. Yep. So all of these just kind of like, all right, I'll go do it. But then I, you know, it, it bloats the code. Mm -hmm. And so how do we kind of make the tough trade-offs of like keeping things small so you can actually import it on our, our boards versus adding all the features in the world and all the bells and knobs that a particular hardware thing can do? If, if you can add it as another class, another import, like the HID libraries broken out into like core stuff and then other things. And that was sort of Scott sort of taught me that technique. Right. So it has to be in a different pi file. Yeah. Because like the units that you load are like for pi file. So that's a way to, to segregate things to get around any kind of memory headroom issue. Yeah. And you can play tricks about dynamically loading. So if you do want to add They're kind of nasty tricks. Like you can actually call import from within like a function, uh, or even control flow code. Like if if this, then import this other thing as you need it. Uh, it's not the best thing to import not as the 
top of the file, but uh, if it means that you can load like a big chunk of code later. So, so for example, you would have classes that would kind of segregate different functionalities. Like this HT16K might be a good one because it basically does LED stuff and it does keyboard scan stuff. Right. So you could have like two separate classes right. that that do those two different functionalities maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and you could use each independently, but you could also use both at the same time. Use both if you wanted, if you had something that was doing both like Trellis does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the right approach. And then the nice thing about that as well is like if if some device does more than one thing is that you can have each of those individual classes uh, have the APIs that are kind of standardized for that functionality. So I think key matrix is actually something that we're getting, we're approaching of like, how do we manage this and kind of standardizing on, on how we, what that API looks like, uh, given that we're doing more Trellis stuff. So uh, I think that's really interesting. And something we should think about, like what's the standard key matrix API that, that we can expose that. Right. So now this capacitive touch one would be a little tougher example because it has a lot of knobs for the basic capacitive touch, like a low threshold, a high threshold, filterings you can turn off and on, all of these things. So what I currently did was I don't have any of that in there. It's just the baseline uh, bare bones and it kind of works. Right. So do we kind of call it good with you know that for an initial go and add in the other things as needed? Because I'm not really sure how you could separate that out into separate classes. So, oh, go ahead. I was going to say that, like, I don't know if you've looked much at the register library that I did ages ago. Um, I haven't. Yeah, that's, I should probably do that, but I haven't. It's kind of wild. Um, the way that it works is that you basically can expose a bunch of properties and the code to write and read those properties is the same. You just say, like, this is the address for this property where you would other property which means that if there's a lot of code associated with it, then you end up sharing that code across all of them. But the downside is that you do end up instantiating um, objects for each of those properties uh, that gets delegated to. Um, so if, if the code that's required to do it is the same across a number of things, then you'd actually end up saving memory. I, I think the general answer to it is, are you exposing features for the sake of exposing the features for the fact that they exist? Or are you exposing them because it's something that's useful? Um, right, I, right. I, I feel and that's, like that's, that's kind of the general thing I've done currently. And like with this capacitive touch being a good one, where I just did the basics, you need to get it to working, and I played around with it. And it seemed to work fine, so I called it good with that and didn't add any of these other bells and whistles simply because they exist. So I think that's an excellent way to go about this one. Um, with my experience with uh, Circuit Playground Express, I would say that uh, there is the possibility for uh, the need for threshold stuff to come up later because we definitely ran into it with CPX where it was absolutely necessity. Um, I feel like that's something that can be addressed when the issue arises. So I think that for your CapTouch one, um, rock it out, call it good. Um, and we'll just, since obviously we now 
I will be keeping an eye on it. Um, <laughs> um, it's something we can keep an eye on. And if the issue arises, then we address it as it comes up. Um, because I know, I, I, I feel like we shouldn't be just exposing things just because they exist. I, I, I don't see a reason to have overcomplicated libraries um, simply because the sensor can do 62 things when people are going to do two things with it. And that's the important two things. And I think for CapTouch also, like the threshold is interesting. Of like, if there's a corollary, that's basically standard API now of having that the, the ability to set the threshold. So if you could do that, mm -hmm. I would add that. But I wouldn't add more than that because you would. Can I share a thought from the beginner's point of view? Sure. Um, Simple I/O, for example, is a library that's really useful because it it grabs a bunch of stuff that you need to get a project going. I'd be concerned um, about losing that kind of capability for the beginning user. If you have a lot of options for libraries where you have basic and advanced and super advanced or something like that, it, you, it's hard to keep track of. And uh, if there's a way to both do that and have comp compiled libraries that kind of match the outcome of what you're trying to do collectively, mm -hmm. I don't have a solution there, but I'm just throwing out the idea that for beginning users, the libraries, the way they're structured, at least today, they're kind of complicated. Yeah, and I think that's something that that we haven't done as well as like I would like to. And I think that Katni has demonstrated her ability to do it as well as like there are different levels of libraries, right? Like there's the stuff that has to be seen. That's the C, that's the Circuit Python API, and then there's the like more advanced um, driver, like you've got to know the chip name level libraries. And then there's also this layer that CPX is a great example of. Uh, we've talked about doing it for Featherwings as well, that like does exactly what you're talking about, Seagriver, where it, it says, like, if you have this board, we accumulate together these things um, mm -hmm. and do all the initialization and stuff for you as well. And I think we could better serve that. Yeah, I think that's an excellent approach. Um, I'm going a little bit beyond that and thinking more about what's my outcome, regardless of the board that I'm using. And like I said, I don't know how to abstract that to explain it, but um, there may be something, there may be an opportunity there. Right, and I think I think instead, I, you're just saying that like we can do aggregations like that for particular tasks rather than specific boards, which I think is true as well. Yeah, or or have a tutorial about it, to how to teach somebody to do that for themselves. All right, cool. Um, I hope that helps, Carter. Yeah, it does. And no easy answers, trade-offs. Totally. But yeah, good info. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I'm going to wrap this up since we are at an hour and 15 minutes. Um, so. Thank you everybody for making it to the Adafruit CircuitPython Weekly for October 1st. Uh, this happens every week and everybody is welcome to join. Um, it is on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on our Discord channel. You can join the Discord by going to adafru.it slash discord. You'll find a bunch of us in uh, the text chat there all week long um, and then us in the voice chat on Mondays. Uh, the recordings go up on YouTube uh, soon after once I get them done. Uh, they're at uh, youtube.com slash Adafruit. Uh, there's notes linked to from those recordings as well. And then uh, lastly, we do put links to the recordings in our Python for Microcontrollers newsletter that you can sign up with at um, adafruitdaily.com. So uh, that's all.
all the bits uh, and we'll see everybody next week. Thanks. Thanks everyone. Yeah, that's fair.